Obituary for Poetry on a Manual Typewriter by Chris Baker Dirsch I wish someone had told me you were sick. If they had, would I have done things differently? I probably wouldn't have believed them. How could you be sick? You are ancient, steadfast, have survived long and endured much. When people would say to me, oh, I don't read poetry, I never paid much attention. It would be like saying, I don't listen to music. Music is everywhere, and you don't have to be an enthusiast for it to reach you. So it goes with poetry. Song lyrics are poetry. Subway graffiti is poetry. So I never paid attention when others would dismiss you outright. Was I the only one who was aware that you were everywhere? I saw poetry online constantly. Doesn't everyone? 140 characters seems the perfect challenge for a poet. Poetry was meant for limits and constraints. In words, in syllables, in structure. Catchy rhymes, deep thoughts, they were everywhere. I didn't know poetry could fade away if no one recognized it anymore. I wonder what greeting cards on Mother's Day will say now. In order to stay alive, you had to have meaning, had to be more than surface level, had to be part of the blend that is the culture rather than lying beneath its surface, had to know that one day when you were gone, somebody would truly miss you. I will. Welcome back. This is episode two of No Extra Words, the Flash Fiction Podcast. I am producer-editor Chris Baker-Dirsch. Glad to have you joining us for the first time or the second time or whatever time you're here. Wanted to get a second episode out quickly because we are in the process of getting approved to be part of the iTunes catalog and also Stitcher Radio. So we want to have some audio content up there for them to approve of. You just heard an obituary for poetry on a manual typewriter, and in case you are curious, the answer is yes, I did write that on a manual typewriter. I do about a quarter of my writing on typewriters, primarily manual typewriters, but I also do have an electric. If you want to check out my website, which is noextrawords.wordpress.com, there's an entry fairly recently that has pictures and details about all my various typewriters. The story, An Obituary for Poetry on a Manual Typewriter, is more traditional flash fiction. It runs right about 240 words. One of the questions you might be asking yourself is, how do I define flash fiction? If you look online for any length of time, you will find that flash fiction is defined in widely different ways, depending on who's doing the defining. I've decided to take a pretty liberal definition of it for this particular podcast, Anything under 2,000 words, I'm going to count. Most of what you will hear will be under 1,000 words. If you're thinking about submitting, I would love to hear any length of flash fiction that you have. So if you have a 100-word or 75-word or 6-word short story hiding somewhere, we'd love to include those here on No Extra Words. There's a story out there that is probably not true, but it's attributed to Ernest Hemingway that somebody once asked him if he could write a story in six words, and he came back with four sale baby shoes never worn. So 
in theory, a story can be any number of words, and there are flash fiction purists out there who will tell you that to be really flash fiction, a story has to be under 100 or under 300. This is a grand experiment for me, so I'm being pretty liberal with the definition, but you are going to hear mostly short stories under a thousand words. The second story that's coming up in just a minute here is going to run about 800. So that's going to be more the length of story that's typical for me, but we're going to try to be all over the map here. Please check out our show notes. Please check out our website, noextrawords.wordpress.com for more details about the stories you're hearing about the podcast in general about how you can share your story this is a new project and we'd love to bring in different voices if you even if you've never submitted a short story before this might be a great opportunity for you our theme music as always is reverie small theme by ghost used with a creative commons permission we have one more story coming your way and then i'm going to post this and be out of here for the week look for us on itunes look for us on stitcher spread the word that we're out here have a great week A Well-Ordered Laundry Room by Chris Baker Dirsch She bought the house because of the nice laundry room. Even before she was a mom, there was something about laundry that made it the best chore of the week. After, the laundry room became a place that could be ordered in an unordered world. The soaking buckets for the cloth diapers, the hanging racks for the sleep sacks and clean diapers, the three-basket sorting system, the laundry bag for the two small clothes. The last one was the hardest. There's something about folding and packing your infant's clothes away that makes you envision packing her for college. The latter seems mm, somehow much closer than it should be to the former. Packing up infant clothes also presents an existential question. Will we need these again? As she transitioned her two-month-old a size up, the first of many, many times she would have to do this, it was a question she felt unprepared to answer. Barely cleared to think about sex with a man who was suddenly more her partner in the diapering trenches than of the romantic sort, she still felt as though she was underwater and moving in slow motion. With no sense of schedule or normalcy, and with still swollen and sore nipples that must go through a dozen agonizing feedings a day, no one could be prepared at this point to truly say they wanted to do this again. Could they? She packed the clothes in paper bags, labeled them, and stored them in cabinets above the washer. Thank goodness for the beautiful and spacious laundry room. There were other houses, houses with soaker tubs and herb gardens, houses a quick walk from pristine-looking elementary schools. This house, the one with the nice laundry room, had the slightly tangled yard, the busy street by the school, and the pebbly driveway. The realtor must have thought her insane when her priority list pushed laundry room to the top. I should move my desk into the laundry room, she often told her husband. I get my best ideas while doing laundry. A lot of moms are writers, she had learned. Maybe the two are connected. Maybe giving birth to a human makes birthing ideas seem more plausible. Maybe having small children run around you all day makes you want to think deeper thoughts than the cartoon characters who always seem to solve their problems through reading puzzles. Because there are some great mama writers out there. And one or two terrible ones. Writing did not pay for a full-time nanny, so thoughts and ideas and words had to be squeezed in and around the gentle cycle and chopping chicken for dinner. While sorting baby clothes, she would talk of her characters to her daughter, who was supposed to be playing next to her, but who was instead trying to climb Mama's legs. Those things in Mama's hands, they must be interesting. They are taking Mama's attention, so they must be investigated. Laundry folding was not leisurely. Everything baby went into baskets as it exited the dryer, then straight into drawers in the nursery. Baby clothes do not require folding. Not until they are packed away and no longer needed. 
If laundry waited until nap time or after bedtime, multitasking was even more essential. In those moments of silence, folding became phrasing, plotting, imagining, dreaming. Reciting lines again and again so they could be remembered until hands were free to write them down. A mother's hands are never free. She set her recorder next to her and spun stories and poems aloud, trying to capture them. One reviewer said her latest writing was softer and showed maturity. Another said it was choppier and showed lack of focus and direction. Both were probably right. Neither knew she'd given birth just before starting that piece. An MFA in creative writing student called one day to interview her about her writing life. How do you structure your day, he asked. How do you schedule your writing time? What does your space look like? How do you organize your projects? She gazed around her laundry room and wondered if there was any way to make him understand. My writing has to fit my life, she told him. It can't be the other way around. You can try to mold your life to your writing, but sooner or later either life wins or you have nothing left to say. She folded outgrown baby clothes and bagged them for a new cupboard in her laundry room. One size up, the next phase. The baby wasn't the only thing growing, she realized.